Welcome back once again to our sermon series, Grow, as we're taking a walk through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Today we're going to talk about something that's a little uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because we don't even like to say it. Sure, we say things like, he passed away, or she's not with us anymore. Sometimes we use crass jokes, phrases like, he kicked the bucket, or she's pushing up daisies. Maybe we say those types of things to disarm the pain with a joke. But today we're not going to tiptoe around the subject anymore. We are going to talk about death. Each one of us one day will die, and this is something important for us to be able to talk about. But first, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that you went to a party, and you showed up at 7.30, And when you got to the door, the host opened it for you and welcomed you and said, Oh, it's good to have you here. Enjoy the party. But one more thing. At midnight tonight, everyone at the party is going to die. So what do you do? Do you enjoy the party? Do you grab it for the chips? Uh, No. You start to ask yourself the important questions like, Hey, what's going on here? Is this avoidable? Does everybody have to die? And I understand this is a crazy example, but in reality, the only difference between this example and real life is the fact that in this example, time is compressed. In our life, each one of us is going to die. We don't know when or how or where it's going to happen, but really, each one of us here is going to die. So instead of being distracted by the party, instead of you just grabbing for the chips, I want you to be able to ask these serious questions about what happens after I die. What's this whole deal with an afterlife? What's going to happen to my loved one after they die? And I have one more question for you to think about, and that's this. What do I want to be said about me at my funeral? When you die and everyone's around at your funeral, what do you want them to say about you? I think this is a good question for you to ask yourselves because it kind of narrows down what your priorities are in life. Throughout the last weeks, we've been talking about growing and we talk about growing in many different areas of life. We want to grow in our finances, get that job we want. We want to grow physically and have some fitness goals at the gym. Maybe you want to grow at at school and have academic goals. Maybe you want to grow in your home and have marriage goals. But death is a real game changer. Whether you are growing or not, whether you have the best fitness goals and you work out five times a week and have a great diet, or maybe you work out zero times a week and only eat donuts, you're going to die, regardless of if you're growing or not. So death is a real game changer in that way. So what do you want to be said about you at your funeral? I ran across this question in a book called Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person. Maybe you heard of it. It's uh, one of the most popular self-help books there was in the 90s and early 2000s. And one of the habits to be a highly effective person he had was to put first things first. Meaning the things that you find most important in life, make sure you do those things every day. We have lots of different distractions in this world, things that have to get done. But whatever you find is most important, make sure you do that first. And if you're having a question or a problem about narrowing down what you actually think is the most important thing in your life, this author author said, ask yourself that question. 
what do you want to be said about you at your funeral? Take some time, write down some characteristics about what you want to be known for. So a couple weeks ago, I did this exercise. I wrote down seven characteristics, and it was a good exercise because what I found out is that it narrowed down what is actually important in this world. Sure, I have some fitness goals, I have some physical goals, but at my funeral, do you think I'm gonna care if anyone says, oh, Tom, he always had the nicest biceps. It's like, no, no one cares about that. You don't care about that when you're dead. Instead, you would rather be known as having great characteristics. You'd rather be known as someone who's honest or compassionate or whatever it may be. So I wrote down some things like someone who loves God's word and loves his people. So that narrows my attention down into these are the goals I want to focus on. So if you're struggling in life about what you want to focus on and what you find most important, I suggest doing this exercise. Ask yourself this question and it'll start to become more clear. But I must warn you that there is one critical error with this question. But I'm not going to tell you it right away. But right now, I just want you to focus on the idea of being comfortable about talking about your own death. For the church in Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul had the same goals for his church. He wanted them to be able to talk about their death and about what would happen after they died. Uh, there were, this was a newer church that Paul just started, and he left before he wanted to, and he wasn't able to teach them all things. And they started to have some questions about death and about Jesus' return. So Paul, he writes to them to make some things clear. This is what he says. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So Paul tells them that he doesn't want them to be like the rest of the world who has no hope about death. Uh, there is a very different message between those who believe in Jesus and those who don't at a funeral. I think you know that. And this was certainly true in Paul's time as well. Back in Paul's time, there are some big religions uh, like the Greek and Roman mythologies. And in those religions, if you died, whether you were a good person or a bad person, you would go to Hades, where you would suffer. That applied to everyone. And there are other philosophers at this time as well, and they had other bleak and grim views of death as well. So when your loved one died, you didn't have much hope. You celebrated their life, but now they're gone, and they're in this place of afterlife and punishment. But the Apostle Paul has a very different message. And I think that message is very different from today as well. Um, in our world today, we had, in 2016, quite a few famous people who died. Um, this, just like every year. I think some of the most prominent names who died last year were Carrie Fisher, David Bowie, and Alan Thicke. Um, and if you go online, you can read what was said about them at their funerals. And I took the time to read some of the eulogies. They had other famous celebrities talk at their funeral. Um, at Carrie Fisher's funeral, Meryl Streep stood up and talked about what a wonderful actress Carrie wa was and how much she loved her mother, Debbie Reynolds. At David Bowie's funeral, a man named Trent Renzer, who's the lead musician of Nine Inch Nails, he stood up and talked about what a great musician David Bowie was, but also how he was an even better friend. How Trent at some point had some low points in his life where he was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and how David Bowie helped him get sober. At Alan Thicke's funeral, a man named Alex Trebek stood up and talked about what a good guy Alan Thicke was and how they had a great time growing up in Toronto together and they would have just a great experience and how Alan Thicke actually helped 
Alex Trebek get his first game show host job, which led to him getting the job on Jeopardy. So what did these, what did these famous eulogists do? They celebrated the lives of the person who died, but they didn't offer any hope. They didn't talk about an afterlife. They didn't talk about a hope of seeing this person again. All they did was they celebrated their lives and then said, we're going to miss them. So, sorry. And this is very different than the message that we have as people who believe in Jesus. Check out what the Apostle Paul says next. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So Paul here, he compares death to sleep. And think about that for a moment. When you went to bed tonight, were you scared to go to sleep? When you went to bed, did you worry all day about what's going to happen when you fall asleep? No. You went to sleep, and eight hours went by way too quickly, and you woke up the next day. I think many people here are scared of death. They're scared because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how painful it's going to be or what's going to happen after you die. But really, death is just like sleep. One day you will close your eyes in death, and just like that, you will wake up and you will see Jesus. And this is the greatest hope that we have, which leads to our first point. Death is like sleep. It's not something we need to worry about. It's not something we need to spend our whole lives fretting about because, sure, one time it will happen, you will die, but just like that, you will wake up and you will be with Jesus. And even though you know this, I'm sure this isn't new information to you, you've heard this before, uh, that death is like sleep, but I think it's something hard for our hearts to understand. It's hard for us to truly grasp. Maybe you know this, but you don't feel it. Maybe you still have that intense agony of grief. Maybe you're still missing your loved ones so much. And I understand that. Imagine how Jairus must have felt. This man who went to Jesus to tell him to heal his daughter. But Jesus, he took his time showing up to Jairus' house. That must have frustrated Jairus. And as they were walking to his house, they heard in the distance the sound of loud wails and crying. And they just knew that the daughter had already died. But Jesus said to Jairus, Your daughter is not dead, but she's sleeping. Imagine how Jairus must have felt then. Uh, Jesus, no, you don't understand. My daughter is dead. I will never see her again. I will never be able to talk to her again. I will never be able to hold her in my arms again. And maybe you remember another story a story about Mary and Martha who sent for Jesus after their friend Lazarus was really sick. And Jesus, once again, didn't show up quick enough. And this is what he said to his disciples. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So once again, Jesus, he talks about death in the terms of sleep, but his disciples don't get it. And maybe that's a confusion that you can relate to, where you remember how confused you were when death came. Maybe you can relate to the frustration of Jairus, where you question God for what he did. Maybe you still have that intense pain. Maybe you still feel grief every single day. 
And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that it's sinning to grieve. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't grieve when someone you love died. And that's because uh, death is unnatural. Some people say it's natural, it's part of life, but really, it's not. When God created man and woman, he created them to live forever. But when sin came into this world, that changed that. And now, death is part of our reality. And some people, they debate the definition of death. Some people say it's when the heart stops beating. Other people say there's no, when there's no brain activity in the brain anymore, that's death. But really, uh, death is just a word that means separation. Death is the separation of the soul from the body. Death is the separation of a loved one from your family. Death is the separation of a grandmother from a grandchild. It's the separation of a father from his daughter. It's the separation of a spouse from their spouse. It's the separation of your loved one from your family. And this was a separation that God never intended us to have or feel. This wasn't a separation that God designed us to have. And since it's unnatural, since it's painful, it makes sense that we grieve. It makes sense that we have pain. But we need to remember the hope that we have. In the church of Thessalonica, they had some problems with their thinking about death and Jesus' return. Uh, It's not exactly sure about what their problem was. But some people think that they thought that Jesus came back already and took some people to be with them in heaven, but now the church is left wondering, like, hey, did we make the cut? Did Jesus forget about us? And other people were curious. They maybe thought that uh, Jesus came back, but the people who died already, when Jesus comes back, will they be able to be with him? And the Apostle Paul, he has to clear some of these issues up. So he says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Uh, Yep, thank you. So the Apostle Paul, he clears some things up. No, they didn't miss out on Jesus' return. Jesus is still coming. We're still waiting for that today. And when Jesus comes back, you don't need to worry about the people who died already. Because actually, when Jesus comes back, uh, the dead people who believe in Jesus, those who are in the Lord, will rise first. And then after that, those who believe in Jesus, who are still alive, will come right afterwards. But the point isn't about who will get there first. The point is this, that one day we will be with the Lord forever. I think time is a reason why grief is so hard. Um, I've heard stories about couples who have been together for 40, 50 years, and then one of them dies And the one who was left behind says, I just wish I had more time with them. Or maybe a parent who lost a child, you can understand how they would want more time with them. They wish they had more time to see that child grow up. Or maybe you've known a friend for a few years and they were good years and you wish you had more years with them. But death separated us from them. But we don't need to worry about that anymore. 
One day we will be reunited and we will have a joyful reunion with the family of believers and time is not going to be an issue. Next slide, please. Which leads to the next point. Death separates, but Jesus brings together. Death separates us from our families, from our loved ones. It separates our our souls from our bodies. But one day, we will be reunited. One day, we will get a new and glorious body. One day, we will be reunited with our family and loved ones who have died. And one day, we will be with the Lord forever. But how is this joyful reunion possible? How can we have that? Well, it's because Jesus was separated. Jesus, who had perfect unity with the Father in heaven since before the creation of the time, came to this world and he hung on a cross. And while he hung on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, he went beyond even the worst human suffering and experienced rejection and pain that exceeds ours infinitely. It's hard for us to understand the pain of losing a loved one who you've had some time with together. But imagine the pain of Jesus went through, who had been united with the Father forever and now was separated from him. It's a pain that is infinitely worse than we can even imagine. And he went through that for you. Jesus was separated for the Father so that we could be brought back together. Jesus was separated so that we can be reunited with our brothers and sisters in the faith. And he did that so that we could have that reunion one day. Looking at the cross, it may seem like Jesus lost. If you were a bystander at the cross, you may have looked up and you've seen a man who was bloody and beaten and dead. And it may have looked like he lost. But when Jesus comes back again, he's not going to look like that. Instead, he's going to look like a king. And that's the, the same king who comes back as the same Jesus who walked into a room and saw a little girl and said, get up. And this girl who once dead is now alive. And it's the same Jesus who went to a friend's funeral, but instead of paying his respects, he came there and said, get up. And Lazarus got up. And this is the same Jesus that will come back. And one day you will be in your grave but Jesus will come back as a king and tell you, get up, and you will get up out of your grave. And with the trumpet call as an alarm clock, you will walk out of your grave and be lifted up to be with the Lord and with the family of believers forever. And we will have that joyful reunion. We will be brought back together because Jesus was separated. I've once heard that it was said that dying is like being born. Think about it. When you, before you were born, you were in your mother's womb and you thought you had everything. You had a warm place to stay, you had warmth, and just, you were content being there. If it was up to you, you would have stayed there forever. But eventually you were born and you didn't like that. You were screaming as you were born. And, but weren't you glad that you were, that you were born, that you were able to experience this life? Now let's compare that to this life. In this world, we feel pretty content with everything that we have. We have food and water, things to do, people that we love, and we live our lives scared of dying. But one day, we will die, and our Heavenly Father will take us kicking and screaming into our eternal happiness. 
But let's not act that way. When we die, we will have a much new and better day. We will get to be with the Lord forever. So instead of being distracted by this world, instead of busying yourself so much and not even thinking about dying, instead, let's focus on that joyful reunion that we're going to have, how we're going to be with the Lord. Let's be able to ask ourselves those deep questions about death and have this be a topic that we're comfortable talking about. So remember that question I asked you, what do I want to be said about me at my funeral? It's a good question. It's a good question if you want to get your priorities right. But really, there's one big error. And that is, say someone went to my funeral after I died and started saying all the good things in my life that I've done. Um, that's not that important. That's not that great of a story. And it doesn't offer you much hope of being able to be with your family of believers again or being with Jesus or anything like that. So at my funeral, I don't want my story to be told. Instead, I'd rather hear a story about a man who told a little girl to get up. I'd rather hear a story about a man who went to his friend's funeral and scoffed at death and told him to get up, and he got up. I'd rather hear the story about a Jesus who was separated on the cross so that we could be brought back together. I'd rather hear the story about a king who's going to come back, and even though I'm dead at my funeral, I'll be raised back to life and that how we all have that same comfort about being with Jesus one day and our own resurrection. There are many good things that we could say at a funeral, but I hope that story is told instead. I hope that story is told at your funeral as well. Because when we know that story, when we know the story about Jesus, our fears seem to disappear. When the Holy Spirit works in our heart to be able to grasp the true hope that we have, we can live a life not scared about death because it's just like sleeping. We aren't scared to go to bed. We don't need to be scared to die either because what has Jesus has done for you. And that story is true hope in death. Amen.